When it comes to the human experience, technology is one of the core components of that experience. We have been creating tools to help us tame the wild world since the dawn of man. Whether it was creating fire, putting the wheel on a chariot, or splitting the atom and launching us into the nuclear age. The ability to create has separated us as a species and placed the top the food chain. And that is all possible thanks to those who see problems that no one else sees. It's not about solving problems, but about finding them. It's all about how can I make this better? Benjamin Franklin, when he wasn't murdering children and burying their bones in his basement, he was out inventing shit. He thought, how can I make my shitty eyesight better? Which resulted in the bifocals. Louis Pasteur and Alexander Fleming, they both thought to themselves, how can we make life better? And because of them, the principles of vaccinations as well as the invention of penicillin have saved millions of lives. But not all noble inventors succeed. We've all heard the legendary Edison quote of, I didn't fail a thousand times, the light bulb was invented with a thousand steps. Well, many have failed, but failure is just part of the game. But on today's episode, we are going to be talking about inventors who not only failed at trying to change the world, sometimes for the better, but lost their lives because of it. Listen as we talk about tailors creating parachute coats to 16th century Chinese government officials trying to make their way to the moon, plus so much more on today's episode, inventors and their inventions that killed them. And I'm not, and I'm just. <laughs> and then I'm talking. <laughs> no, but wait, wait! I have something for him. Boom! You get shot down. Now you just fucking me, aren't you? <laughs> I'm just wondering why all these people like kids. The Weird History and Eerie Tales podcast. Concentrate on the dude. Shit's looking good. Wow. <laughs> FYI, there's nothing wrong. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of the Weird History Eerie Tales Podcast. I am your host, Moses Soria, and with me to my left is Archie. Hey, it's a digitalized. And with me to my right is my brother, Josh. What the fuck was that about? We were in a fucking suicidal ah, tendencies, suicidal tendencies. Yeah, fucking okay, okay, rampage okay. earlier. We went through a suicidal nice tendencies a, rabbit hole. A rabbit hole, there you go. It was a, it was a great rabbit hole. I mean, now we're all trying to get in. Now we're all going to be matching suicidal tendencies. <laughs> Crop tops and jerseys and windbreakers. Fucking Converse bands, shoes. Fuck, bandanas. Man. Stickers. But anyways, today we're going to be talking about... So if you heard last week's episode, you might know, you might have an idea you know. of what we're talking about you this week. You do know. This is why and this listening. week, we're going to be talking about inventions that killed their inventors. It just rolls off the tongue, bro. It's a horrible thing to say out loud. <laughs> it's horrible. I should... I am hopefully in 15, 20 years from now, the podcast is at a point somewhere where I am added to this list because fucking editing is going to fucking murder me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it's just going to fucking kill me. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. So sit back, grab your popcorn and uh, try not to invent anything that'll kill you. So starting off, we got fascination with speed, right? Mm-hmm. Drug. So- not that kind of, like not that kind of speed, but you know if if you've been familiarized 
with fucking Fast and the Furious. It started off like as a freaking shit about racing and cars and stuff, and eventually just turned into like just a fucking superhero movie. Bro. It got better. It, it, the series got better as it went along. <laughs> first, it was about first it was just about a bunch of rascals racing in the street. Now it's about family, bro. It's about family and trying to take down flying choppers bro. with modded Mia- modded Miatas M- Miatas in Dubai. Bro, like freaking, what is it, Tyrese, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he said it best. Like, we went from cars to fucking boats. To fucking? Oh. To fuck, oh, I mean, I guess. There's no fucking. R.I.P. Ryan O'Connor, he got, a, he got a baby there. But anyways, things just got exponentially faster and deadlier and all this crazy shit. And the same goes for these inventors. So starting off with the first, Max Vayler, who was the inventor of the rocket car now did you know that one of the earliest forms of rocket was not actually a shuttle that took off straight into space but instead a car max Weyler was an uh, an austrian born inventor with little background knowledge about rocket science but a whole lot of fucking curiosity you see max wanted to take the man to space he dreamt of that being a possibility in his future and thus started the rocket car journey in the late 1920s he first started by fitting sleds, gliders, and even rail cars with these type of powdered rockets. He got the attention of the public, but his experiments were still nowhere near his dream of sending man off to space. So he he know you know you know what they do in the Fast and the Furious movies do best. You strap two fucking fat ass kegs of NOS in the back and then send that fucking car to the moon. Shit, that's all you need, baby. All you need, bro. But no, not really. He, he did take it up a notch, though, by mixing, uh, messing with liquid-fueled rockets. So he went from freaking, you know, just a little, like, keg type of thing when you can start off a wick and then just blast off to, like, all right, you know what? Let's fuck with rocket fuel now. But he started off with sleds, right? He, yeah, so it was sleds. Was he, was he just throwing rockets on people's backs and be like, all right, good luck, and just lighting them up? Basically. You know he was, was like, good luck, have fun. You know he was doing that to his younger siblings. He's hey, like, come here real quick. Come here real quick. Hey, hey, hey. Try it. Try it. Tell me how it goes. And so he started messing up, messing with liquid-fueled rockets. And the rocket fuel was a combination of liquid oxygen mixed with some sort of gasoline. Mm. And when mixed together, it created a very disruptive chemical reaction. The combustion uh, design was actually pretty simple. The amount of fuel dumped was manually fed by hand by opening and closing a valve. And a blowtorch would then ignite the fuel, thus causing the car to fucking move. <laughs> so yeah, that was like their Nas, but in the 1930s. And on May 17th, Max Wheeler had his last run. Like I mentioned earlier, these fuels mixed together cause a dangerous chemical reaction. And of course, rocket science being in its infancy had no fucking regard to safety. So when this dude was, was on this rocket car... They didn't care about shit gonna blow up. They didn't care about like, rocket, I, is, is the fucking fuel gonna fucking kill me? Rocket, I, rocket, rocket technology was was still wild west. They're just like, I just want to go fucking fast. The need for speed, bro. If the I need die, for I speed, die. yeah, bro. They're like, I'm gonna just fucking strap a a, a three mile long turbo on this little Civic and see what happens. Damn. Civet. Yep, yep, yep. A Civet. A Civet, bro. Corvette engine on a Honda Civic. There you go. And so, 
they kind of just ran with it until the shit hit the fan. Mm. And boy, oh boy, were there freaking shit chunks flying everywhere. Max was testing his rocket car with his assistants Walter Rydell and Arthur Rudolph. And to their surprise, at first, it actually fucking worked. The Sons of Bitches rocket car actually worked. And it traveled at about 250 miles an hour. And this shit fucking worked. 250 miles an hour in 19 what? 20s? 1930s, bro. 1930. These motherfuckers thought they were fucking flying to the moon, bro. They probably they, were, they thought they were on the other end of the other side of the earth when this shit was over. They're just like, "Hello, can you hear me?" And then they went around for round two, and then again, another fucking success. His homies wanted to call it quits because you know after two successful runs, why the fuck not? You know, you got. You know, we good. You we good. good. You good. Brush off the shoulders. You're good. Heck, even like after one successful run, I'd be happy. I'm like, all right, this shit worked. All right, cool. I didn't die. die. Success. I'm good. But not Max. Why did it go again? Well, I mean, well, with a name like Max, he has to push everything to the max. And so, unfortunately, that third one was his last run. Well, the third time wasn't the charm. The third time was <laughs> not the fucking charm in this case. So, what happened was. When he, because you know the, the fuel is is manually fed, so it's just basically like two different containers with these two separate fuels. Because when when you, you mix them together, you have like a freaking a, a split second to ignite it for it to actually go. For the reaction, yeah. And so while he was doing it, at one point that shit spilled, and when it nice. spilled, the blowtorch turned it on, and instead of the rocket pushing the car, he fucking caught on fire. Oh! And fortunately for Max. That was the end. Fortunately for Max? Unfortunately. For Max. I was like, fortunately. <laughs> fortunately for Max, he doesn't have to get to see this chance. But what's really cool about this, though, is that his inventions actually did pave the way for future inventions of rocket science. And, you know, kind of, it is true what they say. You kind of learn from your mistakes, or in this case, someone else's mistakes and death. And so that kind of helped pave the way for. Yeah, that's uh, science for you. All right, guys, remember, don't. Sp- Spill shit unless you want to die. Yeah, yeah. You let other people do it for you, and then yeah. you'll learn from them. The next up in 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 our ride of speed here is a man by the name of Thomas Midley Midgley Jr. Mm. And he was an American mechanical engineer, born in May 18th of 1889 in Beaver Falls in Pennsylvania. He liked to experiment with extremely poisonous chemical substances, much like Max over here. Without any concern for the consequences that would bring the world, the population, and inevitably the environment. Because, fortunately, his experiments contributed to the environmental problems that we face today and the world, and still facing at least a hundred years after his fucking death. So, thanks, Thomas. And his biggest and most deadly inventions included uh, a chemical anti knock a- agent with uh, tetrahythyl. Lead being the principal uh, one used in this leaded gasoline. So back in the day, car engines, they were very shitty. Did not work very well. And, you know, if you have rod knock in your engine, you're fucked. You're fucked. You're fucked. Your engine knock, you're fucked. Your, your, your engine's fucked, right? And so they didn't have the, the, the I don't know, if t- technology was not there or fucking they didn't have the correct substances or oils or whatever. But this guy, he said, you know what? Let's just put fucking lead in the gasoline. That should help. <laughs> and fortunately enough, it actually did. 
But the repercussion for that was that <laughs> this contributed. It's fucking lead. This contributed to poisoning of three generations of children. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> it increased the risk of skin cancer and other skin problems related to exposure of U rays and contributed to greatly the global warming. Three generations, huh? So he's like, "Fuck it, it works," and everyone's like, "All right." They started putting lead in the gas. Yep, yep. <laughs> it's like, "Oh yeah, the engine's fine," but the whole world is just, you know, hey. At least the engine's fine. At, at least your mm-hmm, motor works, mm-hmm. bro. At least it works. And now, despite being known as this kind of toxic chemical, it did in fact solve the problem that when the the fuel burns unevenly, the engine cylinders of the automobile causing the noise and the potential damage to the engine cylinders, walls, and pistons kind of smoothed it out. And you can imagine how much fucking money they're going to make from doing this because that time automobiles were booming and with this being known they're like you know what let's all fucking put it and so everyone got a, a whiff of this lead gasoline here so, all right but for and somehow believe it or not this whole lead gasoline invention although it was poisonous was not actually what killed thomas midgley it was his wife after she found out he was putting lead gasoline into this into his car so he could cheat on her. No, it was something more ridiculous. It actually was more ridiculous, yeah. believe it or not. Oh boy, that poor son of a bitch. And so what basically happened was uh Thomas Midgley, I think there was something around he got some sort of infectious disease that eventually evaded his nervous system. And caused total fucking paralysis in a matter of hours. He got what? Polio? It was polio, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, he got fucking polio, bro. And in cases, the polio does lead to death when when the breathing muscles become immobilized. Normally, polio affects only children under the the age of five. The disease left Midgley disabled and in need of actually constant help. He couldn't do shit on his own. But... This son of a bitch actually invented some sort of pulley system to kind of help him get himself out of bed without having any other assistance, at least doing that by himself. However, due to this invention, on November 2nd, on my birthday, hey, 1944, he died from asphyxiation at the age of 55 after his own deadly invention strangled him to death when he was entangled <laughs> the, the fucking the the, the, this, the, police uh, the police around his neck. So, not only did he fuck the world, he fucked himself over. Hey, that's karma though. Because remember, he killed three generations of children, <laughs> no. and he poisoned. poisoned. He poisoned three he generations of children. children. And what happened to him? He got a fucking disease only children get. <laughs> I think he got promoted too. After that, he got promoted. Yeah, because yeah, he, he climbed ladders like in the automobile fucking yeah. industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, like, same thing, like, his invention, like, th- this kind of police system, obviously we don't fucking use this shit anymore, but, like, it, it kind of paved the way for, like, you know what, let's see what type of things we can do to further help people who are immobilized or paralyzed or whatever like that. So, speaking of, the last one, how many times have you fucking heard about the whole idea of the flying fucking car? Mm, a lot. A lot, bro. Everywhere. What, what, what did Back to the Future say that flying cars were going to exist by? Was it 2018, 2019? Yeah. Flying Here we cars. are, 2021. Shit. 
Hurry up, bro. Gas is like $7. (laughs) Fucking liars. And so, you know, what what, what is LA most known for? Tell me. Traffic. Fucking traffic, bro. Traffic. You're stuck. What normally is a commute that should take about 20 minutes. Traffic and gangbangers. Bro. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's about an hour. Yeah, it's about a fucking hour, bro. So, we're sick of this. We're sick of traffic. Instead of like riding through the highways, riding through the streets, let's fucking fly to the sky, bro. Let's fly to the sky. But obviously, if you have a plane, you're only kind of limited to where you can land, right? But what if I tell you there's this plane that you could land right on your street, bro? Detach your plane, and then you could take the car wherever you want. Wait, what the fuck? Yeah, bro. You tell me fly, I got detachable you could, wings, you could, bro? You could fly, fly from work, right? Yeah. Go pick up your spouse. And then drive off for a nice little fancy dinner. When is this DLC dropping? Bro, let's talk about it. Because my clutch is gone. I have no clutch. <laughs> These wings will come in clutch right now. I'm on a road. I'm on a road today. Uh, that's bro. a hard strike two. I'm on a road today, son. <laughs> hey, strike three, you disconnect that fucking cable right next to you, right? I think it's this new energy for him. It's probably the Febreze he fucking sniffs all day, bro. That's true. I do, bro. I have like six Febrezes in here. Hey, what's more poison? The lead gasoline or your Febreze? I mean, we're going to find out later. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so this guy who came up with this fucking idea, his name is Henry Smolinski. He was born in... Fucking Smolinski, Smolinski, bro. bro. Smolinski. He was born in 1933. He was one of eight children in the Polish family living in... Cuyahoga, Ohio. After attending the Northrop Institute of Technology Aeronautical Engineering School, he began his career at the North American Aviation as a structural engineer working on jet engines and aircraft design. In 1959, he joined the Rocketdyne as a project engineer working on their missile development and aerospace programs. And then after a decade at the Rocketdyne, uh, Smoliski left to form his own company, with his friend Hal Blake, and they both founded the Advanced Vehicle Engineers in Van Nuys, California. And in 1971, expressly to design a building a flying fucking car. And the first and only model was the AVE Mizar, named after one of the stars that formed the Big Dipper's handle. The idea was simple enough. You take a regular small car, you take a small airplane, you modify them both so a person could drive the car to the airport, fit the car and the waiting airframe together, and then take off on the runway, come down a few hundred miles away at another airstrip, and detach the airframe, and then just fucking drive away. You don't have to worry about fucking renting a car. You don't have to worry about all those fucking fees and baggage claim and all this shit. Just take yourself in your car, pack all your shit together, take off, land in that other fucking place. Unsnap your freaking plane and then just drive off. Bro, imagine how dangerous. I can only picture. I can only picture it right now. Back in high school, we used to have this brown van. This shit was huge. This shit was slow as shit. Once you hit 10 miles, 15 miles an hour, the whole van shook. Imagine being in the air with a piece of shit like that. (laughs) Horrible. I wonder how pulling down the air, the the fucking, the windows are gonna be like. All the air hitting your face? Yeah, thank God this didn't <laughs> fucking... Uh, he didn't achieve his goddamn dreams. Yeah, there's a reason um, why. That airspace would have been fucked. 
Bro, how many accidents? Take off and crash in How many accidents do you think would have happened because so many of us would be like, I, I have enough gas to make it. Yeah. <laughs> I know, like, it's, yeah, my light is on, but I know my car. We, we've all been there. We're like, the light turns on. Like, I, I got my wings. I got three more trips. Like, you know, I'm good. You know what's funny? Like, how freaking gas tanks work. I mean, it's literally just a, a leveler that, like, rises and, and lowers as, as the, the freaking gas, gas depletes. Well, you're flying up and down. You don't know that freaking gas meter is legit or not. No. This is beginning going up and down the entire time. So I guess we all that. become fucking pilots too, huh? Yeah, bro. I'm bell rolling in my Civic. <laughs> <laughs> hey, remember, you, you have, like, unless you get a fucking harness in there, you got a regular seatbelt. Flipping and rolling in that car. Right, comes in you know what? The more we talk about this, the more of a bad idea it is. Yeah, we're, it's pretty fucking bad. We're, we're gonna find out though. It's pretty bad. Uh, all right. So the, <laughs> we're gonna see how bad it was. So the prototypes of, of the the Mizar, the Mizar, were made by sawing up a Cessna Skymaster, which is a small plane mm -hmm. with a Ford Pinto, and fitting them together. The Skymaster's cabin and the front engine were removed, and the rest of the plane was attached to this car, to the Pinto, with the wings sitting over the roof. And the pusher engine snuggling up against the hatchback. The Pinto was buck was backed into the airframe, and four high-strength, just four, self-locking pins were used to hook everything together. The driver's controls were adapted to that in flight, and the driver slash pilot would control the airframe's uh, air ailerons by turning the steering wheel left or right, and the elevator by pushing and pulling the wheel. So he had complete control of how the, the wings actually function. And the pedals would control the, the rudder that were installed and the flight controls inside the car were attached to the airframe via connections that ran underneath the driver's side of the car. Bro, one untimely sneeze and you are fucked. <laughs> you are and fucking swerved left and right. Yeah, so the pencil's dashboard was fitted with all the freaking flight instruments it had <laughs> air pinto. bro it had, it's, it's hooked up it was like fucking what is it pimp my ride to the max well if you guys want to fuck my ride if you guys don't if you if you guys fuck don't remember wait what year was this what oh when this happened this is early this <laughs> is early. Sound oh, what? <laughs> I, thought, I thought you're talking about a freaking pimp my ride i was gonna say no. early 2000s no one was uh this was like early 1900s right yeah, yeah. obviously yeah, yeah. Right. You said Pinto. Yeah. The first thing I thought of, because I'm because I am of that age, was in that Robin Big episode where Big Black gets a little Ford Pinto. Yeah. And he fucking murders it out. Well, imagine Big Black with wings in that little Ford Pinto. There you go. That's it. That's all it was. And it was decked out with all the fucking goodies that that a plane uses. So this plane could use both the car engine and the aircraft engine during launch to shorten the takeoff roll. Once it's in the air, though, the craft had a cruising speed of 130 miles an hour and a range of 1,000 miles and a ceiling of 12,000 feet above ground. Isn't that kind of slow, 130 miles yeah, an hour? Yeah, it's pretty slow, bro. Pretty right? Slow. For being in the air? Yeah. 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 That's 130 slow. miles an hour? That's what the fuck I do in this, like, when I'm driving the 7-Eleven. All right. Okay. How common would this be? Let's say this footer came out. Uh -huh. Obviously, it's not for the poor. Yeah. It's going to be only for no, the rich. No, it is for the poor. It's They're snap-on wings. They're not. <laughs> these motherfuckers yeah, well, are just snapping shit on. I mean, it, even though it's it's prototype, bro. Prototype. But, like, put put it on. What, bro, what? this is a Lego car. This motherfucker, 
<laughs> like I'd be more comfortable flying in a Lego plane because those, those <laughs> but once you put those two Lego pieces together, they ain't no, they, 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 they ain't going nowhere. They ain't going nowhere. This motherfucker <laughs> is snapping shit on on a Ford Pinto and then fucking taking off. You'd be flying with style as fucking with uh, style, bro. Buzz once yeah. said, "Damn, you're fucked." Yeah, bro. Yeah, and, and upon landing, the car's brake system would be in charge of stopping the craft, and it would it would need like at least like five hundred and thirty feet in order for it to stop. Bro. What the fuck? Yeah, bro. <laughs> it, the car's brakes, bro. Well, yeah, it's not just gonna skirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but still, where are you gonna land? What's well, a car, bro? You could just land in, on Imperial. Oh yeah, just uh, fucking yeah, yeah I'm just yeah. land there. Yeah. Uh, all right, yeah, fuck me, right? Just go, just go down. Guy's a fucking genius over here. He's go, a wise guy. Over go here. down firmware. You know that it, long strip from yeah. from, oh, the yeah. light, from the light to the building. <laughs> you need that whole thing. You'll be good. Jeez, you land on the freeway. Bro. Just make sure you don't land on top of a car. There you go. On an early test flight conducted by the pilot Charles uh, Red Janus in yeah. 1973, the right wing struts mounting attachment failed. Not long after takeoff, hmm. Red knew that turning the craft would put too much stress on the unsupported wing, and it might rip it clean off. And so he had to put the plane straight down in a bean field and drive the wounded vehicle airframe still attached back to the airport. AVE got great publicity about this anyways, and the plane became a hard-to-ignore sensation, and Galpin Ford of, of Sepulveda, uh, which is now North Hills, California, Signed on as a national distributor, so that even oh, though boy. like it wasn't successful at all, the first flight. Yeah, they're like, uh, they're they're like you know what? They're onto something. You know what? I'm gonna invest in this. They're like, I, I should, I should put some, some fucking, some Dogecoin on this dude. So hmm. Smolinski wooed the public with sales pitches in the press conferences, promising that the vehicle that was a simple, quote unquote, that. A woman can easily put the two systems together or separate them without any help. Bro, this shit is help. so simple. Even a woman can do it. Everyone's like, <laughs> that's, that's publicity for you back in the day. And it was affordable enough because it would uh, cost... Made out of cardboard? Amount, it would cost $15,000 as full production. That's all affordable. Oh, wait, 15000 in that time's money? In that time's money. You get 4000 for the car. Five thousand five hundred for the air engine, and then five thousand for the airframe. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah, that's expensive. That's probably like Ferrari status in today's today's. It's like buying a Bugatti. Nah, it's fifteen thousand. Maybe for like a hundred. Bro, Mustang. You're, you're buying a Nissan GTR. No, bro. Wasn't it like a Mustang when it when he went on sale? Wasn't it like two thousand dollars? Oh, the the first Mustang. Yeah, and that's in the 1960s. And $2,000 in the 1930s. Bro, this is 1930s. A fucking nick, a quarter will buy you a pop. No, 19, so 1970s. All right, never mind. Yeah, yeah. All right, no. Yeah. All right, so, so, so it's like, all right. It's like about 100. Wait. 100 today's money. Yeah, here comes. Let me see. $88,000. So you're right. So it's like a GTR. Yeah, it's like a GTR. So now let's talk about the hype was real, right? One of Smolinski's press conferences foreshadowed a tragedy, though. As the Los Angeles Times reported, the room was full of skeptics, as they should be, because that shit did not work the first time, and some technical questions were not fully answered. But the air car people acknowledged that there are problems, but we feel that we have the answers, they said. In the summer of 1973, another prototype with a different plane engine was unveiled, 
and taken for a series of taxi and flight tests over a span of three months at the Ventura County Airport. Now, September 11th, Red was not available for the scheduled type flight. So the original air pilot that, that was trying this played out, he was like, you know what, bro? Not available September 11th. So the inventors, Malinsky and Blake, took the plane up for themselves. Like, you know what? Fuck it. We want to do it. Let's. Red's like, I got lucky the first time, motherfucker. I ain't going the second time. I'm pretty sure he he was just like, Red's like, man, this is champagne. Fuck no. Hell no. So according to Matt Grissom, which was the airport manager at the time, the men had made an agreement with the airport saying that they would notify him, the airport manager, before each flight. So that way he could alert local police and fire officials in case some shit went down. They're like, all right, well, you know, he's up in the air. That, that's the reason why but for whatever fucking reason Smolinski made no contact with Grissom that day and after wi- watching the plane take off Grissom ran to the air control tower to radio the craft letting them know like the fuck I told you guys to let me know and as he neared the tower he heard the airport's crash horn shriek and it turned to see a column of thick black smoke rising up from below where the plane should have been <laughs> the alarm had been hit by Danny Edwards, which is an air traffic controller in the tower, yeah. who had been watching the plane uh, through his binoculars. About two minutes after the takeoff, he saw the craft's wing, right wing, fold in, which is the shit that Red was saying. Like, I'm not trying to freaking turn aggressively because that shit's going to turn, like, fucking it's rip good. off. Yeah. That's exactly what happened. And then the plane twisted and fell with various parts and pieces flying off on its way to the ground. Another witness was on his lawn and watched the aircraft fall, strike the top of a tree, crash into a pickup truck parked on the street, and then burst into flames. Smolinski and Blake were both killed instantly, and according to the local coroner, though he wasn't able to determine if they died from the crash injuries or the burns or from the smoke inhalation. After their investigation, the National Transportation Safety Board reported that this particular version of the plane had several problems, of course. For one, even though the Pinto was not a large car, uh, the overall design was just way too heavy. It was already over the gross weight without passengers or fuel. They also found that the loose parts on the earlier problems that reared its head up again. And a bald weld had resulted the right wing's strut attachment failing where it met the body panel of the Pinto. And then with the death of its inventor, the project was shelved and the AVE um, organization shut down. Hindsight being 2020, it's easy to say that a Pinto, a car famous for being a death trap on the ground, should have never been used for <laughs> flying to begin with. And that is the story of our first attempt of flying cars. Well, this list is all, it's a whole clusterfuck of different uh, inventors, whether it's chemist, architect, whatever. Hell yeah, Some of everyone died being with, with honor, others died for being a fucking idiot. So, starting off, we got Thomas Andrew, who was the chief of the naval architect for the RMS Titanic. RMS stands for the Royal Mail Ship, uh, M-A-I-L. Um, and it was his honor to accompany the ship on its maiden voyage. He was like, yeah. I took part of Crane's fucking ship. I want to be on it when ships. As you should. As, As you, you should, should right? You know? You're proud of your goddamn you, you invention. Wanna, you want to reap your fucking your reward. He, he must be a confident like shipbuilder. Because if I was building a ship, 
If I was in charge of, I don't, I'm not writing. I know how lazy I am. I ain't no, writing. No, he, Here's the thing. I'd be so sick though. Andrew was aware of the Titanic's vulnerability. Like, yo, I know the weakness of the oh, ship. Oh, okay. And, <clears throat> and especially when it comes to the, you know, the, the icy territory that yeah. he was going to ship a uh, voyage into. Yeah. Uh, he uh he called for Titanic to have double filled with lifeboats, right? Originally yeah. it's supposed to be forty six. Yeah. But Titanic only had twenty. What? Mm-hmm. That's a So big instead job. of the forty six lifeboats uh lifeboats, lifeboats, instead it only carried twenty. Right. Because yeah, they wanted a, they need a room for more people. Yeah, so he was overruled due to cost of constraints. Now when the Titanic struck the iceberg on April 15, 1912, Andrews heroically helped many people, many people into the lifeboats. He was last seen. This is from people who survived the tragedy. Uh, they they witnessed that Andrew. He was last seen in the first class smoking lounge, weeping and just, in you know, distraught. His body was never recovered. So people say he died as a hero. There's many acclaims saying, hey, yeah, the second the ship start fucking sinking, he was commanding people, directing people to lifeboats. He was helping people to get on the lifeboats. So he sacrificed his life to save those who well, he thought were important. So he died as a hero. He died with his creation. Um, you think it was his fault? Well, we go, we're, we're going to do an episode on Titanic. All right, we'll talk about it then. We're gonna talk about the conspiracy theory All right. mm. about how the Titanic was sunk in order for us to create the the, the national con- bank we have. What? We're, we're gonna talk about how mm-hmm. Titanic was actually shot down and never hit an iceberg. What? And we're gonna talk about how the Titanic was actually swapped out for another ship. Oh, I know that. One. And the ship that yeah so. Oof. So expect that, you know, be- between now and like 2030. <laughs> 2030, bro? <laughs> I don't know how long. We should, I don't know how long we're going to. It's going to be the next episode. Bro, this podcast, we're steering straight into an iceberg. <laughs> <laughs> we got no lifeboats on this bitch. <laughs> You're pun the num- Andrew, pun number bro. three, bro. It's pun number three. Keep I, going. I mean, I mean, he could have saved if he didn't overrule his goddamn warning he could save a lot more lives he could have thrown himself on a fucking door like the 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 chick from <laughs> that's Titanic how it works, bro <laughs> that's how that's how it works for her it's fucking laws of physics Damn. was it a fucking door no it wasn't a door no, was it not even a door it was just a piece of wood like two people could have filmed that shit jack could have been on that fucking door bro we're gonna talk about how jack could have fit in that door <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole different episode then we part two all right <laughs> So up next, we got an individual named uh, Louis Slotin. He was an American nuclear physicist who worked on the Manhattan Project. After the war, Slotin continued to experiment with plutonium and accidentally set off a fission reaction, which released a hard burst of radiation. Realizing what he'd done, Slotin heroically covered the material with his body while the others made a run for the hills. Damn. He died on May 30th, 1946, two weeks after the explosion. You know, there was a little part of him where when he jumped on the thing, he's like, I hope I turn into a superhero. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I turn into the Incredible Hulk. It's, it's, the moment is now. 
<laughs> oh, this is my time to shine. Ooh, right. So then Captain America, how he throws himself in the grenade? Yeah, pretty much. That's exactly how it went down. So these two are more of the heroic side, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Up next, we got the dumbass. Yeah, more of a yeah, like you said, a dumbass. And <laughs> up, up, up first of the dumbass category, we have love it, Carl Suchek or Kudel Suchek. He's a Czechoslovakian. And he was a daredevil and an inventor. Oh now, my God, those two dude, those two occupations should not go together. An inventor <laughs> and a daredevil. He's like, you know what would be fun? He's definition. He's an epitome of a wild card. He is Charlie before He's Charlie. Charlie, bro. He did. So he built a specially designed shockproof barrel and repeatedly flowed over Niagara Falls. He was like, yo, I'm a, I, I could go down this fucking Niagara Falls and be okay. So he's in this fucking barrel? So, yeah. So before he created this specialty barrel, um, he tried crossing it before in two other different methods. So before that, he tried crossing the Niagara Falls with the moped along with the cables of a trolley. So he connected a trolley cable across Niagara Falls. Uh-huh. And, uh, well, fucking he hit a boat, a nail boat on the trolley rail. He was derailed, but luckily he had a safety harness. Okay. So that swung that that held him in place on oh, the ropes, shit. right? How the fuck are you gonna hit a boat, bro? Just stop. I guess they didn't check the goddamn trolley cables and bam, he was fucked. Bam. Oh I, I heard boat. He hit a boat. <laughs> I was like, bro, how'd you gonna hit a boat? <laughs> just stop. That's so I was like, just stop. Just I let the boat pass and just he continued. What the fuck? He couldn't stop, bro. He was full speed. He fucking goes. Well, that tiding went down. Bunch of daredevils. Daredevil inventors. So again, he was lucky that he had this safety harness that prevented his death. Then he tried again with a metal barrel. He literally just jumped in the metal barrel and tried to fall down for Niagara Falls and then swim over the whirlpool of the yeah. creation of the Niagara Falls. There's a well, whirlpool? Yeah. So he, he fell miserably. He was stranded and stuck in that whirlpool for hours and yeah, hours. Me, bah, yeah. So finally he was rescued but he was uh, given a ticket for doing uh, a stunt an uh, unlicensed stunt. Right. So I'm you would think he'll give up. He was like, you know what? I I survived this twice. Uh-huh. What? <laughs> <laughs> Bro. First of daredevil, all, bro. Come on now. How hard do you think he hit his head in that metal barrel while he was in that bitch? As he went down, he hit the water. Ding! He was like the Peter Griffin. Just... <sighs> yeah, for hours. He came out with a bunch of bumps in his head over his Jeez, head. Looking like a cartoon. So that's when he thought, hey, you know what? I'm going to create my own barrel. Which goes back to the special shockproof barrel that he created as he should <laughs> so in theory the barrel was supposed to flow natural with the waterfall right Niagara fall and fall into a certain destination right right unfortunately when he was placed on the water the barrel started to Sweat. roll oh causing a misdirection of where his land point was right so it missed its target, which was like a little water container that he was aiming for. Uh-huh. Hit the edge of like a rock, whatever. 
fracturing his neck Oof. and crushed his chest inward. Oof. Just completely fucked his shit up. Now, keep in mind, he advertised the fuck out of the stunt. So this stunt was met with fans. Give me him, give me a, a soul check, a round of applause when he fell from the Niagara Falls. Everyone thought it was. Everyone thought it was. A, yeah, everyone thought it was a successful. He lands. Stunt. Everyone's like, yeah, he's in the barrel. Ah! Yeah, little did they know. It's like it's all, it's already been an hour. He hasn't gotten out. Yeah, the impact killed. Shoot, um, soul check. And there was one individual who told him, yo, this is super dangerous. Not even I will perform some shit like that. Who was it? Any guesses? Evil Knievel? Evil fucking Knievel. He was like, it was the most dangerous thing I've ever seen. This is the stupidest thing. I would (laughs) never do. Fucking idiot. All right, guys, I'm going to jump over these 32 buses. (laughs) Damn. My man had how the fucking fans felt after. After he found out, like, oh shit, were, we bro, they, uh, they were, bro, they were, they went home. They're like, bro, we saw someone die. She was like seven dollars. I ate a corn dog. Today was amazing. Best show of my fucking life. <laughs> Today was fucking amazing. I'm pulling some Zeppelin. They're playing music. Zeppelin. They're playing like Black Sabbath in the background. They're all cheering. There's a bunch of kids walking around. This was in a barrel, fucking choking on it, gargling on his own blood, and people are just like clapping, having a picnic. Selling shirts. <laughs> <laughs> the man who survived the fall <laughs> was was ten bucks. We're uh, selling it for five bucks now. Five? No, now I'm gonna double the price because it. It's and I'm gonna just under, and I'm gonna just cross out the survived part. Is like the man who fell from Niagara Falls. They had a uh, third times a charm shirt. <laughs> oh boy! Wait, isn't that what happened to your dude too? Third time is not a charm, though. Yeah, well, same for this guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, huh. I mean, I'm pretty... I hope they buried him in that thing. Like, you, know, you don't need a coffin. He's already he's already in there. You know what? Next merch, merch idea. Third time's not a charm. And put all the pictures of these people. <laughs> well, first, you got to make a shirt. It's on its way. <laughs> Up next, we have Horace Lawson Hunley, who invented uh, the submarine, his first prototype, Trapped seven sailors underwater and killed them <laughs> all. Now, look. <laughs> first adventure, just first of all, <laughs> prototype. Uh, how did he convince these people? Like, yo, this is the first. I'm put you underwater. His... Hey, yo, Archie, what are you doing this Saturday? <laughs> nothing. All right, cool. You want to go swimming? <laughs> all right, I'm down. I got nothing to do. You got my swimming trunks. Got my fucking my uh, suntan lotion on my nose. I'm ready. Uh, tell tell your wife you love her. <laughs> what? Just nothing. <laughs> I'll just be like, oh, I already did. <laughs> He's like, I'm a I, guys. I built this. It's called a submarine. Like, bro, this is just a fucking barrel with a window. <laughs> trust me. Just trust me, do you, bro. Do you trust me? And they did trust them. <laughs> and uh, seven sailors died in water. Now, Hunley was like, yeah, I can correct my errors. Because I went back to the drawing board. <laughs> ah, that's what I did. Ah, all right. Ah, all right. All right. Next time. Oh, so they need oxygen. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> they need an emergency exit, bro. That's what I forgot. Doors. <laughs> he puts them in there welded shut. Fuck, bro. So, like I stated... Hunley fucked up, and he was like, you know what? Back to the drawing board it is. 
So he came up with a new and improved sub named the HL Hundley, mm -hmm. which he joined in himself. He said, look, I'm so confident in my submarine. I'm going to prove all you motherfuckers, all motherfuckers and the crew I'm going to be with, and it's going to be a success. Guys, this fucking door I put in, fuck <laughs> I'm not. Yep, yep, yep. So on October 15th of 1863. 18, I thought it was 19. 1863. Hunley was testing, uh, Hunley was testing the HL submarine off the coast of Charleston, South Carolina, when it fell to surface and again killed the crew, including Hunley himself. Did it say how they died? Did it just yeah? They it just, just sunk? it was a malfunction and it just sunk. They fell to the death and they were just trapped and just died. So, so, so the door didn't work. Something didn't work. <laughs> well, they were all fucked. Talk about fucked. Let's talk about Alexander Bogdanov, which was uh, a Russian physician. He was like jack of all trades. He was a Russian physician, a writer, politician, and inventor of all sorts. A he cook, was, a samurai, a chef. Yeah, he was fucking <laughs> everything. He was a major player in the 1917 of the Bolshevik Revolution and ended up in jail. Damn. Yeah, he talked his way out of death row and, and he went back into medicine where he became obsessed with blood. I mentioned this dude, I think, last episode. Oh, is this dude? Yeah, this is this guy. guy. Imagine guy. talking your way out of... How the fuck did you talk about death row? I was going to take notes. He's, he, he's every... I mean... Guys, it wasn't my fault. Look, I was going to the pub. This, I was, I, I, we were pumped. The crowd came out. I started walking with it. Next thing I know, I'm beating the shit out of this cock, bro. I did. It wasn't. You know, it wasn't. It wasn't. Like, you know what he did? He was like, "Hey, yeah, yeah." So Bogdanov founded the Institute for Hematology and was convinced that blood transfusion, blood transfusion, was a ticket to the fountain of youth. To back up his beliefs, he used himself as a crash test dummy and transfused and transfused blood from a patient suffering from malaria and tuberculosis into his own system. He died two days later on April 7, 1928, but the patient slowly got better. It seems that the blood types were incompatible, something little known in that day. So the one who had... This disease survived. Yeah, he was he was getting better. By the yeah, way. he was getting good blood. Yeah, it's like, this, uh, this, dude, this, this this dude literally said this guy literally said I want you know what I'm gonna live forever. You know how I'm gonna live forever? I'm gonna get the blood from this dying man. That's literally what he did. Pretty, pretty, pretty much. Short. And the worst part is uh, he wrote a lot of like fiction story, like fantasy and shit. So he believed. And all this that stuff. that that since I'm a man of science, I could I could cross that line bro, and make it to reality. Oh, you you know that if you believe, you can't cheat. Well, he achieved his fucking death, all right. <laughs> I mean, fucking respect, you know. I mean, I mean, yeah, jackass idea, but damn, bro, imagine if you would achieve it. Fucking rushes would be more lethal than they are now. Jeez. Yep. Now, this is uh, the number one jackass Ooh. in this list. Everyone where I've read about this guy, everyone said the same thing. This is the number one moron. He's a complete jackass, dumbass for trying to do this. He goes by the name of France. He was known as the Flying Taylor. Okay. 
He was a tailor. And is credited with inventing the coat parachute. I repeat, a coat parachute. To prove it, everyone just belittled him like, dude, how are you going to create a fucking coat that can fly? Or fucking glide with style. Yeah, everyone's making you know? fun of him. And he was like, fuck it. To prove it, to prove that it works, right? He fucking climbed, right? The Eiffel Tower. Right? He, he fucking told the keepers, look, trust me, bro. I invented something that's going to change the fucking world. They're like, what is it? It's a fucking flying coat. They're like, what? You know what they said? It's a coat. (laughs) Bro, you know, the whole way, the whole time he was getting up to the Eiffel Tower, he's like, I'm going to show these motherfuckers. Yeah. yeah. You fucking laughing at me. I'm pretty much laughing at you. Pretty much. Pretty much. So again, he was like, yo, let me climb this shit. They're like, all right, fuck it. Let's see what you got. So on February 4th of 1912, Franz held a major press venue so they could witness his amazing jump. He leaked from the first deck and then gravity took over. It was captured on film and today well, this you can watch film. Mm-hmm, you can catch this dump son of a bitch somewhere in the internet playing it on replay and seeing him splat to death. Fuck. All right, all right. There he is. He's showing off his uh, look at my fucking his, his coat. Stylish coat. Bro, bro, that's not a flying coat. That looks like me when I wake up at seven in the morning and it's cold, and I have my kawika and I have my <laughs> my bed sheet. Guys, go to YouTube, type in Friends the Flying Tailor, or just you know click on the episode show notes and just click on the link that I'm gonna put, yeah. and you can literally see this cartoonish character of a man bunny hop off the <laughs> Eiffel Tower. It wasn't even a good jump. He just. He just hopped he and, just, just spl- and just splat onto the floor. Well, hold, hold on, rewind. Did he mean spread his quote-unquote wings? It's not a wings. Well, his coat, like, did he spread his arms like wings? Like, it collapsed Like, something, himself, you know, bro. at least some aerodynamic of that bitch. He it just, like, like, it collapsed, bro. He went to fetal position. <laughs> he was like, fuck it. Wait, what happened? What is this? That's his body. Oh, they're carrying him. They're carrying his body? This is where he died. We're going to mark it. That was... That was literally right after the fall to just fucking carry him out. I mean, they're not gonna leave him there. <laughs> no, but still. The Eiffel Tower, bro. People are fucking getting engaged. They, they don't want you. Don't want <laughs> this fucking idiot in the background. No, I don't want that. <laughs> 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 they're just like, I don't want that. They're like, all right. I'm pretty sure people bettered, right? They, they made bets. <laughs> oh, there and then, like, yeah, bro. I bet you a fucking whatever the fuck currency. What a pound? What the fuck is it? Is it a pound? Is it euro? I'll bet you my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bet you my wife he don't make it. Deal. So in the year 221 BC, China went from being a mess, just a horrible mess of feuding states into a unified country by the ruling Qin dynasty. Mm -hmm. By doing so, the leaders created 
a law-abiding country that went from states having their own rules and laws to all and everyone obeying a system of rewards and punishments. One of the most important figures in helping the Qin dynasty was a man named Li Si. He was born in a normal family of just commoners and he went from being a simple, just a simple clerk working in government to holding one of the two most influential positions in the imperial court. Everyone liked Lisi. He was a smooth talker. Everywhere he went, everyone just, you know, there's that one dude that everyone just seems to like. It was this guy. That was this dude. That was this dude. He liked big dick energy everywhere. Not even, it was just like, he was just, everyone He's liked him. He's a nice guy. He's a nice cool. guy. Yeah. Hey, bro, what are you, you know, just a nice guy, whatever. He, and he eventually, after just meeting everybody, being around government, he got to meet the king who immediately just liked him. He fucking fell in love with Lee C. He's like, dude, this guy's amazing. This guy's funny. He's cool. I want to be around him, whatever. What are, you, what are you doing later? So after rising in the government ranks, he kind of became the king's advisor. Oh. And slowly but surely, he started talking to the king into okaying a lot of his own questionable policies. So he eventually became friends with the king. He's like, hey, you know what? You should do this, do that, do this, and do that. And some of the policies that Lee C kind of, you know, pushed the pushed the king into into okaying mm-hmm. were things like bribing enemies who could be bribed. Like that was he made that a thing where it could be legal. What? You yeah. bribe your way out of things. Nice. And nice, if nice. then if they couldn't be bribed, then you could kill them. That was okay. Shame. Tricking neighboring states. To fall under the Qing dynasty by lines, like we could lie to other people, other villages, saying, "Oh, we're gonna do this, do that," as long as you follow us, and not do anything. Gee. And most famously, for collecting and burning all the books in the country, except for those to do with medicine, divination, and agriculture. He's like, we don't want people learning anything else. We just want them farming, working, and curing. That's all we want these people to do. So, Li Si was so liked by the king at this point. That he was made chancellor. That's how oh, powerful shit. this motherfucker became. And he was Man. born a commoner. He was born just a regular dude. Dude. So historically, historically, Lee C, he's infamously known for the whole burn every book thing. That's what he's known for in history. He burned everything. The Bible, whatever the fuck it is. If, it's had, if it has nothing to do with curing, with farming, or fucking... Oh, with medicine, like magic and like farming, yeah, it was getting burned, right? But for the sake of keeping up with today's theme of adventures being killed by the inventions, we're gonna skip a lot of his fucking career, right? And we're gonna go straight to Lisi and his five pains. Sounds like a like a fucking uh, sad boy playlist, bro. Well, it's uh, five pains. Well, here, here, sad music all day. So there is a little debate about who invented the five pains yeah but lee c he's known for creating it like okay. there's other people there's other claims but when you look when you look, when you look up lee c that's one of the things he's famous for for creating the five pains, the five pains. so the five pains are the first one the moa this is where the person would be tattooed on the face or forehead then there was the yi this is where the criminal's nose would be cut off oh then it was the ue this is when they would amputate one leg, the right leg, the left leg, or sometimes even both. 
Or sometimes they would just remove your kneecaps. Oh. I don't know how they would just remove your kneecaps, but they would your kneecaps gone. Oh. Then there was the gong. And this is when the dummy gummy would be removed and the balls would be cut off. And if that wasn't bad enough, you would then be forced to work as a eunuch in the Imperial Palace for the rest of your days. After getting cutting off your wee-wee, your kneecaps, no, you got no nose, no nose. And then finally, you're working. And finally, there was the, the rest of your fucking life. How? And then finally, the Da Chi. Oh, no. You dead. This is death by cutting the body into four pieces. Oh. They got real creative with this one because oftentimes, they would just cut off your arms and legs and be done with it. But sometimes, they would boil you before. Oh. To make the cutting easier? Kind of. And then they would attach your limbs and heads to a chariot before they slapped the horse in the ass and everyone and all those chariots were ride off in different directions. Damn. That's just brutal, bro. Sometimes they would just slice you beneath the belly and leave you to die. Taking as little as 10 minutes, but sometimes as long as 40 minutes in some cases. Shit. So the fifth, so the fifth step was death. Most of the time, limbs gone. Yeah. Sometimes they'll just cut you right in the belly, so you bleed out. Now your intestines will come out. Oh. So when the king died, so the king died while away from the capital, and Li Si and the chief Chao Gao convinced the king's chosen successor into killing himself. So the king what? died, and then the successor <laughs> was supposed to come in, and they somehow convinced this dude to kill himself. Smooth talking, bro. And he did. Lee C was afraid he was going to be replaced if this guy got to be king. So they did what they did, and they got another prince to be elected. So during this whole time, during this whole thing, while Lee C was dealing with all the official work that needed to be done for this to, like, to be successful and no one to fucking question anything, mm-hmm. Chao Gao... He got into the king's new year and convinced the new king to put all of his friends and followers in official positions. Then, when Chao Gao, when Chao Gao had all his buddies in position, he betrayed Li Si and charged him with treason. The new prince that they put in charge yeah. saw Chao Gao as his teacher, like his mentor. Yeah. So he didn't even think twice about the accusations he was doing against Lee C. So this guy? Yeah. So Lee C, he was tortured and forced to conf- forced to confess. And in 208 BC, Chao Gao had Lee C dragged to the public market and was given the five deaths that he himself created. Damn. Lee C's last words were to his son. I wish that you and I could take a brown dog and go out through the eastern gate to chase the rabbits there. But how could we do that now? Chao Gao then immediately killed his son, killed his wife, killed his family. But not only that, he killed everyone that was related to Lee C up to the third degree. What this meant was that Lisi's family was killed. Then his aunts and cousins were killed. 
Then his cousins, aunts, and uncles were killed. And finally, his cousins, 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 aunts, and uncles were killed. Damn, to make sure there was no, no revenge. There was no gonna be no revenge. That's the five deaths from Lee C. Got wrecked. The whole wrecked. the meat, the whole pre- Let me tell you guys. <laughs> Dude, how great of a fucking story this is gonna be. You just fucking if you don't know where to start, bro. Are you this okay? Is, this is it's golden. The legendary story of Juan Who. Who? 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 Juan. Who? Last episode you heard me yapping and yapping about colonizing the moon. And I even talked about how in the 1600s, the conversation of getting to the moon was being had. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But one thing I didn't mention was that talks about getting to the moon were a lot older than that. What? Let's go back 100 years before this bishop in 1608 was talking about calling to the moon. At least that's when the legendary story of the great beast from the east occurred. The beast from the east. Like that. No, I'm not talking about Jackie Chan. I'm talking about Wan Hu. Who? So Wan Wan. So Wan Hu, he was a government official that one day during his shift at work said, Fuck this. I'm going to the moon. And that was the last he was ever seen. What did he work at? He was just a government official. Like, one day he was like, Yeah, he was bored the- looking up at the sky. He's I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna go to the moon. And that was the last he was ever seen. So the story goes that Wan Hu was a regional officer sometime around the 16th century during the Ming Dynasty era. We know very little of Wan Hu outside of that he was an adventurous fellow and he was bored with his government life. Hmm. So Wan Hu wanted to make a name for himself. He wanted to explore the unknown, travel down the road, let's travel. Unfortunately for him, the Ming era, China, the Ming era, which is the Chinese era he was living in, was kind of narrow-minded, and they all believed that all of the Earth was not only discovered but conquered already. One who was a peacock, but they wouldn't let him fly. Mm. So there went one who, spending his days just staring to the stars at night, not giving a fuck about his job, when suddenly, hmm. So if all of Earth has been conquered by man, then I'll go where no man has gone before. He thought to himself as he stared at the fucking moon. He was excited and knew how he was going to make a name for himself. He was going to go to the moon, explore the moon, and conquer the whole moon. Except there was a little problem. How the fuck was he going to get to the moon? He thought to himself. Despite being in the 16th century with no Google or YouTube. How to? He figured out the perfect plan on how he was getting to the moon. And it all started with the perfect method of transportation. What is it? So I want to ask you guys. Any guesses on what this method of transportation was? I'm going to say bamboo. All right. 
You have any guesses of what he thought he was going to use to make himself go to the fucking moon? Uh, like a mini carriage? Uh, okay. That sounds reasonable, carriage. You know, uh, it's, uh, you said bamboo. I don't know. Well, just, just fucking let it grow. Oh, it's, just, it's a, a big-ass bamboo stick. big-ass bamboo stick. Just fucking... You guys want to know the answer? What is it? It's something dumb. A fucking steel chair with a dick load of explosives <laughs> attached <laughs> to the backrest to shoot his dumb ass up to the moon. My dude is related to Max Vayler, for sure. As amazingly hilarious as this sounds, the Ming Dynasty, they were the shit during the 16th century when it came to gunpowder technology. Oh, we got it. These motherfuckers were leading the pack. They were, when it came to gunpowder, there was nobody better in the whole world. You want some pops and bangs? The Ming Dynasty inherited multiple dynasties, gunpowders, and explosive technology, and they imported cannons from Portugal. From Portugal. These motherfuckers were not messing around. So, working for the Big Dig Dynasty when it came to gunpowder technology, he gathered as many explosives as he could, which was not only easy, after all, he was a high-ranking government official in his region, Nobody was going to question a fucking thing. So his theory on his whole charity moon thing was all predicated. It all it, it came to his mind on seeing explosives send metal balls into the air. It was a hundred, hundred, a thousand, ten thousand, a million percent sure he was going to get to the moon. He was like, look, this little amount of powder will send this metal ball from here to there then all of this metal then all of this gunpowder should send me to from the fucking here. moon i mean and he and his reason was like it's it's just right there it's right there yeah it's, it's just yeah, right, it's there. right there right there you know so it's foolproof so it's foolproof design all boiled it down to this of course a metal chair with two kites for directions. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I see, I see. Dude's a fucking hey, genius. He's not stupid. He, he, he knows he kites. needed to steer, or else he'd probably shoot himself to the sun. He'll go too far. Or even worse, he'd probably be like the Russians and shoot over the moon. Yeah. He didn't want that because like the moon's right there. Yeah. So his plan was a metal chair with two kites for directions, and forty-seven explosives attached. To the back of his chair. Please tell me, like he tr- he's seen the effects of this prior he, to he blew himself up, Danny. No, no, no wonder they can't find his fucking body. Believe it or not, it's like his body landed over there. For the time, and for the, and the lack of any aviation technology, obviously. This was kind of smart and kind of impressive when, like, when they got down to the like the meat of it. Like, he was kind of smart. Like, he's like, all right, I'm gonna use this amount of gunpowder to ship me from here to here. I'm gonna use this chair to get me, and I'm gonna use this. There, I, everything. It was it was stupid, but there, it, they were like, all right, he was being creative. Fuck. There, there's some logic to this whole madness. So when the day finally came, he ordered his servant to light his ass up. And when the servant lit up the explosives, a large bang was heard, just like that. One who became the first human to die in a space 
flight accident. The explosion was so fucking massive that it blew Juan Hu and his chair into a billion pieces. <laughs> immediately disappeared. Disappeared, disintegrated so fast that a servant really believed that Juan Hu lifted and went straight to the moon. He, he went right there. Well, if we can't find this body here, that means he fucking did it. And although he died like a Looney Tunes character, <laughs> his dream of getting to the moon was finally realized. In 1970, NASA, they recognized the real one and they named one of the craters of the moon after him, oh, making shit. his wish of conquering the moon a reality. So here's to Juan Hu. A man who shot for the moon, but nuked himself instead. <laughs> Damn. It just sounds so smooth saying it. What? Inventors yeah. are killed by their own invention. Yeah, bro. That's what I'm saying. Rolls off the tongue. I'm stuttering like a motherfucker. Well, Fuck y'all. Yeah. <laughs> well, you should probably aim for the moon, Moses. It's right there. Yeah, it's right there. Yeah, just right there, bro. It's right yeah, there. so it's that, right that one was, bro. You know, yeah. at... For being at that time with that technology and with that idea, with that idea, that's that's fucking revolutionary, bro. I mean, that's what they're like, look, it was stupid, it, was, it wasn't gonna work, yeah, yeah, but it was a magic, and he had the right idea. I just need enough propellant, yeah, to shoot me to the moon, you and, know. And you, like, of course, I'm gonna use a metal chair, not a wood chair, like a dumbass. The thing, the thing that I was just like, do, do kites work like that? Like, <laughs> are they ever <laughs> steering you, or did he just think, like, oh, because we could move the kites around? That's gonna steer me? Like, uh, I don't know what the fuck. But that shit was hilarious, bro. And there's the the, the fact that NASA's, like, knew. I see what you what did. What the fuck <laughs> are the side effects of this damn drink, man? Side effects, Mike calls puns. <laughs> the fact mm. that NASA recognized the real. Well, shout out to NASA. You know, that was pretty dope. You know what? They named, they named the crater. And it's a pretty big crater, too. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it reminds me of the fucking hole that it made. Hey, yo, Bob, what was that jackass thing? <laughs> Oh fucking who? Yeah, fucking who? I mean, he has. A, I mean, the fact that is the, the the part that like killed me was that servants like, oh, he fucking did it. This <laughs> motherfucker did it, and like he just went to bed after. He was like, all right, well, I don't have a job anymore. I guess. <laughs> Shit, <laughs> like, I guess I'm fired. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I just on Instagram, weird history, irritals pod, where we talk about all this, where you guys can see. We just can visually experience the nonsense that's spewing out of our mouths. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, if no one has anything else to add, get ready for our next episode. All right. Thank you for that, Captain Novius. Um, <laughs> thank you guys. And as always, we are the Weird History. Here he tells Pod. Splat.